Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the cotton crop is making good progress here in Texas. You know, we've been running behind all year long on this crop, but it looks like here as we approach the halfway point in cotton harvest, the crop has just about caught up to where it normally is at this time of the season. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. Plus, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association is holding its annual meeting in Oklahoma City this week. We'll have an update from that meeting as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, we've suffered below normal rainfall for a pretty long while now, and that's certainly not helping our wheat. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. USDA launches new effort to reduce salmonella illnesses linked to poultry. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan and Marshall. We've got some important meetings with information you need coming up in East Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cotton crop has been playing catch-up all year long across the cotton belt with much of the crop behind the regular pace of development. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says that's still the case in the southeast, But here in Texas, it looks like we're back on track. There are three states that have not reached 90% cotton bowl open progress on the 24th of October. Two southeastern states, Alabama and Tennessee, and then Texas, all three of them coming in this week at 89% open. For the two southeastern states, that's significantly behind the average pace. But for Texas, that's right on par with average. Pioneer field agronomist Adam Owens works from the central Texas Blacklands into the Concho Valley. He says the cotton in that area has looked great this year. Overall, the cotton crop this year has been been really strong, um, hearing really good yields um, out of the, the cotton crop here in uh, the northern Blacklands. Uh, a lot of really good just overall pounds and, and the quality has been good as well. And the price along with that just makes it even more of a, a, a sweeter deal um, this year, especially after the way it started in April um, and May. We were just re- really looking rough um, early on in the season, but uh, we stuck with it. Growers kept putting inputs into it, and uh, it really rewarded them this year with some really good yields and quality. Cotton harvest is now 40% complete here in Texas, and the crop ratings continue to look great. We have 62% of the cotton crop rated good to excellent, 
33% fair, and only 5% of the crop rated poor to very poor. The House Agriculture Committee passed the Cattle Contract Library Bill last week, which is designed to increase price transparency in the fed cattle market. At the Texas Cattle Feeders Association's annual meeting underway in Oklahoma City this week, CEO Ross Wilson says his organization is watching that bill closely. Now, conceptually, that's a great idea, but the devil's in the details. And if we don't get that right, based on conversations that we've that our members and staff have had with people in the pork industry, uh, you might actually be giving the packers more information and more leverage than the feeder, and that would be a huge mistake. And there, understandably, there's a lot of concern about that. Wilson says there is separate legislation moving forward that will reauthorize the mandatory price reporting system. And that, combined with the cattle contract library, will hopefully move the industry into more robust price discovery. The spring and summer were wetter than normal on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us a dry fall is not helping the newly planted wheat crop there. There have been a few showers here and there, but in reality, we've experienced below normal rainfall for most of the Texas High Plains since the end of July, and our lack of moisture is definitely causing issues for wheat farmers. Here's how Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid sees the situation. We've had some people that dusted in their wheat and are getting a stand, but it's suffering, you know, it's not developing very good roots going into the winter. We certainly could use more moisture here. Now, the irrigated wheat, they got put in timely and they were able to put some water on it. It's looking pretty good. So those growers that have uh, irrigation are going to have good wheat going into the winter for grazing and forage for next year or grain production, whatever they're going to do. But the dryland wheat crop here in the Texas Panhandle, South Plains, is not in the best of shape. And there are some areas that still the wheat hasn't even come up yet. You know, we haven't got any rain to, to even get it up and going yet. So hopefully things will change here. You know, we really need that kind of good inch rain everywhere to get the wheat up and going good into winter. Indeed we do. But if we're looking for good news, when we talk about wrapping up work with summer crops, there is something that could be considered a silver lining to our dry spell. Although production was hurt in some areas, especially for those without sufficient irrigation, these dry days have also provided the open weather that keeps harvest moving. And Russell French says, with corn and sorghum harvest nearing total completion, we're seeing some impressive numbers. 250 to 300 bushel irrigated corn was not uncommon this year, and 30 to 35 ton corn silage was not uncommon. And the sorghum crop is amazing. We're seeing a lot of 160 to 180 bushel irrigated sorghum, which is really, really good. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is launching a new effort to reduce salmonella illnesses linked to poultry. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food Safety and Inspection Service has announced that it is mobilizing a stronger and more comprehensive effort to reduce salmonella illnesses associated with poultry products. The agency is initiating several key activities to gather the data and information necessary to support future action and move closer to the national target of a 25% reduction in salmonella illnesses. Despite consistent reductions in the occurrence of salmonella in poultry products, more than 1 million consumer illnesses due to salmonella occur annually, 
and it is estimated that more than 23% of those illnesses are due to consumption of chicken and turkey. USDA Deputy Undersecretary Sandra Eskin, who is leading the initiative, says, quote, Reducing salmonella infections attributable to poultry is one of the department's top priorities. She says time has shown that our current policies are not moving us closer to our public health goal. It is time to rethink our approach. The Agriculture Department intends to seek stakeholder feedback on specific salmonella control and measurement strategies, including pilot projects. Moving forward, this initiative will require collaboration and ongoing dialogue with stakeholders, including industry, consumer groups, and researchers. A key component of this approach is encouraging pre-harvest controls to reduce salmonella contamination coming into the slaughterhouse. The data generated from these pilots will be used to determine if a different approach could result in a reduction of salmonella illnesses in consumers. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With the increasing cost of fertilizer, soil testing is more important than ever. James Duncan has more from East Texas. It's always busy in East Texas with hunting seasons and everything. Kind of takes us away from our normal routine somewhat. But this year it is very important. Two things that are going to pay off for us. One is getting those hay examples in to get a test to see what the protein level is, and then the other is soil testing. So both of these things are very important every year. Sometimes we grow lackadaisical in our soil test because we just do certain things every year. We keep putting out lime. You may not need lime. The best thing to do is get that soil test. I don't know how many programs I've been to here lately that said, quit doing it just to be doing it. Get that soil test. Number one, it'll save you some money. Two, it doesn't cost a whole lot to get done. You get your samples in, the county agriculture extension agent in your county will get it done for you, and it's a big benefit to you to know exactly what fertilizer you need to be using. With the cost of fertilizer, it is more important today than ever before to keep that up right now. So get your soil test. Find out what it is you need to put on that soil. Get your hay tested to find out what you need to be feeding in your supplemental feeding this winter in those cow herds. $300 to keep a cow for the winter. If she's not bred and if you're just throwing feed out, it's not a very profitable venture when you let it go that long. So we're encouraging you to do soil testing and hay testing this year. Then check with your local county agriculture extension agent on other programs that will benefit you on your farm. So in order to find out all these things, we have forage and soil analysis programs coming up on November the 9th. Our soil test drive meetings and the uh, forage production meetings will be in Marshall at the County Agriculture Extension Agent Office for our producers in Gregg and Harrison County. So you got plenty of time to get it all done and get plans made to attend. It's information for you from your local agriculture extension agents in East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. Texans can now save money when buying firearm safety equipment. I'm Jessica Domo, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And ticks can spread serious diseases to cats. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. 
So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Ticks can spread a serious disease to cats. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how. Cytosine is a parasite of the blood that is transmitted by ticks from infected bobcats to domestic cats. The disease is transmitted when a tick bites the cat and the disease can be transmitted in as little as 36 hours after the tick attaches. Once a parasite matures, it infects the cat's red blood cells. Symptoms are similar to many other feline diseases, as the signs are decreased appetite, increased temperature, and lethargy. Some cats have increased vocalization, develop yellow mucous membranes, and have difficulty breathing. Signs usually develop 10 to 14 days after a tick bite, and most cats have a decreased red blood cell count, or anemia, a low white blood cell count, and low platelets. Unfortunately, 40 to 100% of the cats with cytozoonosis die, and the lower rate of death is due to cats that receive quick treatment. However, only 60% of the cats survive even with aggressive treatment. The organism can be found in red blood cells about two weeks after infection, but the disease can be fatal as soon as one week after infection. Prevention of the disease includes controlling ticks on your cats and using a tick medication that kills ticks before the infection can be transmitted as needed. Routinely check your cats for ticks and have your vet examine deep down in the ear canals because many ticks are only in the ears and no other location. Keeping your cats indoors, especially during tick season, is a good idea or at least checking your outside cats for ticks twice a day. I know that will be difficult, but the disease is deadly. Ask your veterinarian which tick medications they recommend. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texans can now save money when buying firearm safety equipment. Jessica Domo has the details in today's Wildlife Report. A new state law will help Texans save money when buying firearm safety equipment like lockboxes, safes, and locks. State Comptroller Glenn Hager says Senate Bill 313 went into effect September 1st. My office is in charge of putting the rules together to kind of flush out the details of Senate Bill 313 that passed last legislative session that exempts firearm safety equipment from sales and use tax. As we all know, sales and use tax is six and a quarter percent for the state, and then mostly depending on in, in cities, a lot of cities it's two percent. So that's eight and a quarter potential savings for anyone who either wants to purchase, say, for example, gun lock boxes, a gun safe, a barrel lock trigger locks, or other type of firearm safety training manuals and electronic publications. And so my office is going through that rulemaking process. We're changing our website. The website will be fully updated probably about in the next 30 days. And then also far as the rules that kind of flesh out the details, the one thing that we just really have to kind of get right is the bill mentions that items that are designed to ensure the safe handling and storage of a firearm is exempt from sales tax. And so we need to just narrow down exactly what does that mean to make sure that you and I or whomever's purchasing these items know exactly. And then also the retailers will know exactly what items are exempt 
for sales tax purposes. That was State Comptroller Glenn Hager. The website that he mentioned is comptroller.texas.gov. That is comptroller.texas.gov. Again, that website is currently being updated to reflect the new law, Senate Bill 313. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mostly higher trade in live cattle on Wednesday, but the feeder market was mostly lower. That was on top of big gains in both cotton and corn. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The bullishness continued in the fed cattle trade on Wednesday. We're seeing both higher live cattle futures and a higher cash market. Let's start with the futures market first. Where October live cattle were up 40 cents, 127.22. The December up 12, 131.57. February live cattle up 57 at 136.95. However, we saw a lower trade in the feeder market with higher corn prices putting pressure on feeder cattle. November feeders down $1.30, closing at $158.47. January feeder cattle down $1.65, $158.95. And as we mentioned, we're seeing a higher cash-fed cattle trade this week. Here in Texas, we've seen cattle sell at $124 to $125 out in the country. We had the online Fed Cattle Exchange on Wednesday. They sold 367 head of Texas cattle. They brought $125.50 to $125.75. We're seeing even higher prices up north. Nebraska, Iowa, seeing live sales ranging from $126 to $129, on the rail. Boxed beef prices were lower on Wednesday. Choice down $1.41, 283.35. Select down 44 cents, 262.10. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's your glass of iced tea. Why? Because you look thirsty, neighbor. And you need a livestock market operator report from South Texas down on the coastal bend, Riley Roads, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. Riley, how'd you sell them Monday? That was 2,070 head. Uh, market a little bit mixed. Some of the better cattle and the bigger yearlings uh, were a little higher this week. Had a few pairs, 775 to 1250. The bred cows, uh, 700 to 11 and a quarter. Packer cows, 52 to 62 on your high yielding cows, 54 to 66 on your breakers, uh, 20 to 46 on your canners. Packer bulls, 80 to 86 on your high yielding bulls, 58 to 80 on your low to medium yielding bulls. Two to three weight choice steers, 152 to 182. Heifer mates, 122 to 140. 
three to four weight choice steers, 148 to 176. Heifer mates, 118 to 138. Four to five weight choice steers, 132 to 160. Heifer mates, 116 to 138. Five to six weight choice steers, 124 to 148. Heifer mates, 112 to 136. Six to seven weight choice steers, 122 to 144. Heifer mates, 112 to 132. Seven to eight weight choice steers, 122 to 140. And their heifer mates, 112 to 128. So uh, got along pretty decent. Like I said, you know, it, it sure helped to get some uh, rain up the country, get people's uh, winter winter pasture kind of going. I think that would help uh, the, some of these latter week calves. But and you know, the quality this time of year, you know, if anything with a little bit less quality, uh, they're sure beating on it pretty hard, just like right. they do every October. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale. Three six one eight one three six six five zero is the sale. Three six one seven eight six two five five three is the office. Uh, LiveOakLivestock dot com is the web. Neighbor, that's it for walk. In the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Wednesday. December hogs dropped 60 cents, 71.97. The February down 82 at 74.32. Class 3 milk was mixed. October milk down a penny, 17.85, 100 weight. November milk up 10 at 18.84. The cotton market sharply higher once again on Wednesday, getting support from renewed trade talks between the U.S. and China. We close with December cotton up 181 points, 110.52. March cotton up 177 points, 108.64. Big jump in the corn market on Wednesday. Traders seem to think that corn supplies are much tighter than USDA is currently estimating. That boosted prices higher. December corn up 13 and three quarters, 557 and a quarter. March corn up 13 and three quarters, 566 a bushel. The wheat market closing higher, getting spillover support from the corn market. July Kansas City wheat up seven and three quarters, 774 and a half. July Chicago wheat up nine and three quarters, 769 and a quarter. In the energy markets, natural gas took another jump higher. November up 33 cents, 622. December crude oil down 240, closing at 82.25 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed on Wednesday. The Dow down 178 points, 35,578. The Nasdaq up 60, 15,288. The S&P down 8 at 4,564. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.